0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, September 19th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGoff. In today's headlines, second arrest made in investigation of suspected local cocaine supplier and distributor.
1: Mountain Village approves Four Seasons Hotel.
0: Cindy Wisinski is named president of the Colorado Elks. And a mountain weather forecast. The Telluride Marshals Department made a second arrest last week in an ongoing investigation of the distribution of illegal narcotics in the region. Ricardo Toledo-Carlos was arrested on Thursday, September 15th, on multiple drug charges, including possession of a controlled substance and sale of a controlled substance. According to the Telluride Marshal's office, Carlos was allegedly involved in distributing illegal narcotics with Giles Alston. Alston was arrested last month as part of a multi-agency effort. He is suspected of being a significant source of supply and distribution of cocaine in the town of Telluride. The Marshal's department says the investigation is ongoing and more arrests are expected. A Four Seasons hotel will soon be coming to Mountain Village. Earlier this month, Mountain Village Town Council unanimously voted to approve a final planned unit development application for the hotel. This application has 53 dedicated hotel rooms. They would be kept in one ownership, so they could not be
2: further condominiumized now or in the future associated with this approval.
0: There are 38 branded residents that constitute an additional 77 hotel keys. That's Michelle Haynes, Planning and Development Services Director for Mountain Village, presenting the application to town council earlier this summer. And then there are 29 condominiums and 10 employee apartments, three retail spaces,
3: a restaurant and a bar, a ballroom, Two meeting rooms, a spa, a pool, and a fitness area.
0: The project would sit on a lot just next to the Gondola Plaza in Mountain Village, extending towards Wagner Plaza and the Conference Center. The design has three primary buildings, a hotel, and two residence towers. The buildings use a mix of materials with wood siding, painted metal, stone, wire mesh, and glazing. Pathways and landscaped areas weave between the buildings. The hotel and residence will sit on just over 50% of the lot. Dev Matwani with Merrimack Ventures, one of the developers, spoke at the meeting earlier this summer as well. While the buildings stand at a maximum height of between 78 and 90 feet tall, Matwani says the buildings won't impede the view line from the village core. The reality is, is you can't see the building from the Heritage Plaza. It was designed in a way where it stepped up so that your sight line wouldn't be impacted by the building. And so there is a building behind there. It's not a, it's not an illusion. In addition to building the hotel itself, Merrimack is required to provide a number of community benefits. In total, the development is committing to roughly $7.5 million in community benefits, including $2.5 million going towards the town's community housing fund and improvements to plazas, paths, and trails in the village. But at a meeting this month, council members still have concerns with how the development will impact and be impacted by the regional housing crisis. Matwani estimates the project will need over 100 employees with fluctuation based on the season. Council member Marty am I'm, I'm a small business owner. I'm friends with a lot of small
2: business owners. We cannot hire enough people right now. And it's to the point where businesses are, are closing because they can't find the help that they need. So, you know, I think that there's a concern here that even while you're meeting the mitigation rate, the level of staffing that the four seasons needs is, you know, generally I would say higher than your average project. And if we're only housing 20% of those less than 20% of those employees on site, I think we need a clearer understanding of how and where those other employees are going to be housed.
0: Mayor Leila Benitez wants assurance the hotel will not open until there is housing built to accommodate employees.
2: But I also would like an affirmative statement that you you guys understand you're not opening and no one's opening this hotel until there's housing built for it because I think there's a major concern in this community that there's going to be People that are moving into the area for high-paying jobs at a wonderful facility and it's going to be the best, we have no doubt. But that that's going to push people out of the housing they currently have
0: because they can pay a higher rate. Matwani agrees, noting they want to be part of the solution to San Miguel's housing crisis. We can't open the property without... Employees. Mountain Village Town Council unanimously approved the PUD 620. Councilmember Patrick Barry recused himself for a conflict of interest.
1: Charity, justice, brotherly love, and fidelity are the guiding principles of the Elks, a national organization whose impact in Telluride is felt with such events as Turkey Bingo or the Huck Finn Fishing Derby. As it works to bring those big ideas into this small community, the Telluride Elks are celebrating the recent accomplishment of a longtime member. Cindy Wysinski has been named the president of the Colorado Elks, the first Telluride Elk to hold the state office. Wysinski sat down with Cotto to discuss her goals for the office. She began by recalling how she got her start with the Elks.
4: It's been about 16 years now
1: since I first
4: walked through those doors. And what inspired you to get involved with the Elks? Uh, You know what? Someone asked me. It's an invitation organization, and it was really as simple as that. And this is a nationwide organization? It is. We've got uh, approximately, I believe, a million members across the country. We've got over 2,000 lodges, and we meet once a year in a selected city to all gather together for the Grand Lodge Convention. And then uh, the Colorado Elks, there's about 20,000 members across the state in 55 lodges, and we meet a couple times of year to get together, have a convention, have um, breakout sessions on our different programs and what we're doing and how we're helping the people in Colorado.
1: All right, now I would love to hear about what it's like to be elected president of the Colorado uh, Elks? How did that come
4: about? <laughs> oh, you know that might that might have been uh, like a sixteen year process. <laughs> it's very exciting. It's actually it's it's you just saw a big smile come up on my face. It's super exciting. Um, we have in the state of Colorado we have six districts, and each district has a district deputy. So um, about Seven years ago, I became district deputy, and our district covers Durango through Grand Junction. There's eight lodges there, so I did that. And then each district also gets a state trustee, so they have someone on the board of directors representing them. So I did that, and then my next step was to run for third vice president, and it's kind of uh, usually a natural progression from third to second to first to president. So that part has been a four-year journey in and of itself. I just love the humans that make up the Elks Association, you know. They're uh, kind, they're funny, they're intelligent, and they all just want to do good deeds for other people, and I can't really imagine what would be wrong with spending my time with them.
1: (laughs) What are some of the added opportunities or responsibilities you have with this position?
4: Well, I only have it for a year, so I feel like my time is short, (laughs) and I uh, want to get a lot done, Um, besides kind of being the general overseer, you know, of the organization, I do have a couple more lodges to visit over the course of four years. You're supposed to try and visit all 55 lodges. So I've got about 14 more of those to do. Um, But I'm also trying to start some big programs. Um, Our leadership resources is getting a revamp so that we're more uh, relevant and available and um, provide good information to our officers and our members so they can all become good Elks. And uh, we're also revamping our communications. So we're starting a new website and making sure that that is up and user-friendly. And then I'm also creating a diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. Um, just to make sure that everyone has a chance to move forward in our organization. That's really cool that the traveling is part of it. Yeah, I I put on 8,000 miles on my car last year, (laughs) (laughs) and that was just within Colorado. (laughs) It'll be fun because I'll also get to visit some other state conventions. I'll get to visit Texas and New Mexico and Wyoming and see how um, elks work in their states also.
1: What was your inauguration like? Did you get to travel to Denver? Was oh, there a big bash? Oh, it was
4: so much fun. <laughs> it was a big bash. <laughs> yeah, I, we had it up in Denver last weekend. My husband came with me. Um, some of my family flew out from the East Coast to attend, and we had ooh, probably about um, eight or nine members of Telluride Elks Lodge show up. We have uh, some kind of funny traditions, like I got a gigantic gavel, you know, almost as big as I am, you know, to lead the meetings that that gets passed down from state president to state president, and uh, we just had a fabulous time. Is there anything else you want to share about the spirit of the Elks in Telluride or Colorado? Well, I really want to thank um, everyone who supported me on this journey. Um, it um, It takes your lodge's support, absolutely, and to have... State elk support on top of that is really amazing. And that's what's kept me going is knowing that there are people who've got my back and, and who are excited for me to be there. Just thrilled to have this opportunity. That's Cindy Wyszynski,
1: the newest president of the Colorado Elks. You can always learn what the Telluride Elks are up to and how to get involved at tellurideelks.org.
0: Those traveling to Trout Lake this fall will experience some driving changes. Trout Lake Road closed on the 19th. XL Energy is excavating the road for an energy project. Recreational traffic and public land access will be detoured to the Lizard Head Pass entrance on County Road A63. Residential traffic will be detoured through Priest Lake Road, County Road 64B. The road closure began on Monday, September 19th. It is expected to last four to six weeks.
1: As the days get shorter and the nights are getting colder, is there anything better than curling up by a fire and listening to interesting stories from Telluride's history? The Telluride Historical Museum thinks not. This week kicks off the museum's Fireside Chats, a series of free lectures featuring writers, storytellers, and experts on Telluride's past. The first chat of the season will highlight Johnny Stevens, an expert on the Telluride Ski Resort. Stevens was hired to the ski area in 1972 as the first director of Ski Patrol. He worked his way up to Chief Operating Officer and was inducted into the Colorado Ski Hall of Fame in 2004. Stevens will share his experiences from a lifetime of skiing in Telluride as well as behind-the-scenes stories of the ski area. Future Fireside Chats will include Robert and Ani Savath discussing Telluride in the 1970s and Telluride Ski School. Rudy Davison will share his experience on a fact-finding tour of Zermatt to discover inspiration and ideas for sustainable community growth. The first Fireside Chat will take place on Wednesday, September 21st. Future chats will take place on September 28th and October 5th. All fireside chats will take place at 6 p.m. at the Madeline Hotel's living room.
0: The herds are making their way across the plains towards Nukla for a cowboy gathering on Saturday, September 24th. The West End Festival celebrates the ranching tradition with performances by cowboy storytellers, poets, and musicians. Cowboy gatherings featuring poetry and music are a time-honored custom across the Southwest, often taking place in late summer and fall. Similar events are coming up this month in Durango and Grand Junction. The West End's Cowboy Gathering is one night only and kicks off at 6 p.m. at Nukla Town Park. Tickets include dinner and are available at the gate on the night of the festival or in advance at the West End Visitor Center in Natarita. Spectators are encouraged to bring chairs and blankets. In the event of rain, the gathering will be moved to the Nucla High School.
1: Republican U.S. Representative Lauren Boebert and former Aspen City Councilor and Democratic challenger Adam Frisch participated in a face-to-face debate in Grand Junction earlier this month. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio... Aspen Public Radio's Carolyn Giannis reports that both candidates took the opportunity to question the other's legislative record.
2: Frisch questioned Bobert on her congressional voting record, including voting against a bill funding cancer research and another protecting seniors from emergency scams. Boebert responded that those bills were, quote, con games by Democratic U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. It really makes me terribly sad when Nancy Pelosi uses the most vulnerable among us to force her agenda through Congress. But that's how she rolls. This was a blank check. Boebert attacked Frisch's record on Aspen City Council, which included a resolution urging Congress to pass a carbon tax, as well as a focus on reducing cars in town. She called him, quote, a Green New Deal extremist. Frisch replied that he supported an all-of-the-above approach to energy production in Colorado.
5: Colorado produces the cleanest natural gas and oil, and we can do a lot better job in making sure that we get out on wind and hydropower and solar as well, and it's imperative that we keep the jobs here and the energy production here.
2: Frisch and Boebert will not debate again, but will participate in a forum hosted by the Colorado League of Women Voters next month. Caroline Yanez, Aspen Public Radio News.
0: The Colorado River is drying up, and the major cities in the West that depend on it are scrambling to boost their supplies and keep taps flowing. Climate change is already cutting into the amount they get from Mother Nature, which leaves those cities to turn to reusing the water they already have. KUNC's Alex Hager has more.
5: Water reuse can feel like an odd proposition, especially when you consider where it was used before. The water that's flowing in here is coming from flush toilets and kitchen sinks and shower drains? Exactly. Rupam Sony does community outreach for the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California. They're betting on recycled water for the future. She's walking through a complicated setup of pipes and pumps that's pulling water from the sewage treatment plant next door and making it ready to drink.
3: So now this water looks like what you expect water to look like. It's really clean and pure after this point.
5: This agency needs as much clean and pure water as it can get. About 19 million people depend on
3: it. Yeah, it's super exciting. It is going to make a substantial change. It, it is going to provide a new supply.
5: The treatment plant cleans up hundreds of millions of gallons every day. Right now, that water is pumped out into the ocean. But this new demo site we're touring shows how it can be cleaned even further and pumped back into municipal pipes at a large scale. David Jasby studies environmental engineering at UCLA. He says the technology is perfectly safe. The level of treatment that wastewater reuse entities use to recycle wastewater is far higher than what we apply to, like, you know, a river or groundwater. I mean, it's like orders of magnitude more intense and extensive. Jasby says it's not only safe. In the arid southwest, it's necessary. We're going to have to increase our local water supply. And one way we know how to do that is through recycling of our wastewater. So I don't think we have much choice. Water recycling is already in place in other communities, sometimes at a large scale. In Orange County, California, for example, they've been doing it for decades. Now, this facility near Los Angeles could see a huge development, one that'll cost more than $3 billion to build and more than $100 million to operate each year. Felicia Marcus says that steep cost is worth it.
4: There's not a lot of a con other than it's expensive, but it's a smart investment. I mean, my view is that it'll be priceless
5: in the future. Marcus has chaired California's Water Control Board and the Los Angeles Department of Public Works. She also ran a regional office for the Environmental Protection Agency.
4: The reality we're in now won't exist under climate change. So we have to look at what's the economic cost of not having that water.
5: She says recycled water's time has come. A new generation is ready to trust the technology and get over the, quote, yuck factor. And the decades-long drought that's shrinking the Colorado River has water agencies turning over every stone, looking for more. And Marcus says they're going to find it here. Those agencies are signaling their interest with their wallets. David Johnson is with the Southern Nevada Water Authority, which serves the Las Vegas metro area. I think it's really a perfect solution for Southern California, and I think it's a perfect opportunity for us to be able to partner, too, and uh, demonstrate that partnership in a tangible way. The deal will work like this. Johnson's agency in Nevada will put up $750 million to help pay for this recycling project in Southern California a facility that their customers will never use. But when Los Angeles is flush with more potable water, it won't have to draw down Colorado River reservoirs like Lake Mead, and that conserved water will be freed up for all of the people in Las Vegas. We would be able to actually not have to build any of that transportation infrastructure to be able to get water from one location to another. So it just makes a lot of sense to us. Back at the recycling demo site, Rupam Soni is hoping they can do more to get the public on board with the project, too, and get over any queasiness about drinking reused water. Soon, the agency could get permits to let people take a sip and try for themselves.
3: Seeing is believing, but drinking is really believing.
5: And across this parched region, with hundreds of millions of dollars coming from state and federal governments, it's likely that a lot more people will be seeing and drinking that reused water in the years to come. In Carson, California, I'm Alex Hager. The National Weather Service forecast for the
1: western San Juans calls for a slight chance of rain tonight with a low around 50. Tuesday calls for showers and thunderstorms throughout the day with a high near 65. Showers and thunderstorms remain likely overnight on Tuesday with a low in the mid-50s. Wednesday should see a high of 60 and a 90% chance of showers and thunderstorms throughout the day. The rain will likely continue overnight on Wednesday with a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, September 19th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary.
3: Are you interested in learning how to pay for higher education? Are you not sure what the cost of college is? Don't miss this free opportunity to learn all about financial aid opportunities. True North is offering a free financial aid workshop via Zoom with college counselor Rick Williams for students and parents in the Telluride, Norwood, and West End school districts. This workshop will cover how to pay for college and other higher education opportunities, as well as the FAFSA, scholarships, and time for questions. This information is particularly useful for high school seniors and their parents. However, all are welcome to join. This free workshop will take place via Zoom on Wednesday, September 21st at 6 p.m. Please make sure to register in advance at truenorthyouthprogram.org or contact True North staff at 970 970- 7081986. All participants will be entered to win $100. We hope to see you there.
0: Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.